It's a family reunion here on Kicking Out at Two this week as I'm joined not only by the offensive coordinator, my brother Justin, but my other two brothers out of this Rosenbluth clan, my brother Zach Rosenbluth and Daryl Rosenbluth, as the four of us this week are going to join. We're going to get together and uh, do a watch-along over on the WWE Network. And uh, this is this is a, a show that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, this is the third installment of our My Favorite series. This is one of my favorite Monday Night Raws I ever attended because not only was this a fun show to be a part of, but this was also the very first show that all four of us went to together for the very first time. Dad took us all to see Monday Night Raw in Hartford, Connecticut on October the 23rd, the year 2000, the night after WWF No Mercy, um, which was a pretty uh, big pay-per-view at that time. But before we get into all that, Let's introduce everyone. Let's uh, do a little roll call, if you will. So starting with the offensive coordinator, Justin, how are you? Doing well. Glad to be here. Um, I, I don't think you're the only one who uh, who holds this show near and dear. Again, it was our first show together, so it's really hard to forget. You know, we every once in a while we'll recall, hey, remember that wrestling show we went to? Well, uh, we're about to jump back in and take a trip down memory lane, so it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, in reimagined fashion, if you will. Also joining us, uh, the second oldest of the Rosenbluth clan, Daryl, how are you? I'm pretty good, Dave. It's really a great time to be here, and uh, especially, you know, with this show, with today's show, I mean, it's just like our first Monday Night Raw together as a, as part of the Rosenbluth brothers is just like... Uh, it was just a huge thing, you know, it was exciting and, you know, just to, uh, you know, for, be around with the fans and all that. It's just um, it's just a great experience to have our first Raw together. Very cool, very cool. And finally, rounding out this foursome um, of Team Rosenbluth, uh, the, uh, the, the other half of uh, the Twins, because uh, Justin, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, you are a twin. Uh, in this Rosenbluth clan, uh, like real brothers, not like Undertaker and Kane. No, this is yeah, this is not ki- this is not kayfabe. This is legit. This is a shoot, real life. Yeah, this is his shoot twin brother, uh, fraternal twin brother, I should say. Uh, one member of the Rosenbluth clan out of the four of us who doesn't watch wrestling anymore, Zach Rosenbluth. How's it going? How's it going with you? Good. It's good to be here. I haven't watched wrestling in I don't know how long, but I'm looking forward to. Taking a trip down uh, memory lane, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, memory lane, it certainly is, because, uh, like I said at the top, uh, it was the night after No Mercy. Uh, and Let me just set the table for you, if you will. It was uh, The main event of that show was Kurt Angle against, uh, against uh, The Rock for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And in controversial fashion, Kurt Angle capped off his rookie year in the WWF at the time by winning the World Wrestling Federation Championship, not without a little bit of help from Rikishi, uh, who was also uh, very busy that night at No Mercy as he was involved in a no-holds-barred affair with Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, which ended up in Stone Cold Steve Austin getting arrested and going to prison. Incarceration. Incarceration for attempted vehicular assault, which we'll get into later. So uh, that that seems to be the, uh, the, the the two major focal points heading into this Monday Night Raw. Um, before we get you all set up on WWE Network, I'll start with I'll start with you, Zach. Uh, what do you remember about attending this show and your anticipation going into this show? Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I, that's 
It's hard to remember. Um, I, I remember uh, all of us going together, and um, I, honestly, too much about specifics. I, I couldn't tell you the specifics, but I remember how excited everybody was to go and how amped up we were to be going. And um, it just—I just remember it being a lot of fun and the just experiencing the crowd and how much the crowd really gets into cheering and you know uh standing behind their guys that are out there so um for getting to watch this tonight for me probably will bring back a ton of stuff that i that i don't remember at the moment so now if i recall this was you and justin's very first wrestling show you ever attended because i you know i got five years on you uh six years on you both and i'd been to a number of them before dad and other you know relatives in our family had taken me and daryl you've been to quite a few before that your first was a non-televised event in the same building in hartford connecticut but why don't you tell me what your thoughts were going into this show coming off of the very uh, controversial No Mercy event? Well, uh, you know, my first show, of course, as you mentioned, you know, which was a non-televised uh, WWF show. On, I remember it was in the summer of 1998. I was in the fifth grade. And, uh, you know, coming there for the first time, you know, I was really excited. And, of course, uh, when the opening bell rang and I remember seeing, you know, uh, it was like uh, before they were too cool, you know. It was like um, Brian Christopher and uh, Scotty Tuhati, I think it was. Too and, much. Yeah, too much, of course. That's what they were before they were too cool. And they were wrestling the headbangers. And I was really amazed because they looked just exactly like they were on TV, even though, of course, everybody saw them on TV. And, and especially, you know, with the matches, you know, seeing the Road Warriors there, seeing Owen Hart, Ken Shamrock. And I remember the main event between. Uh, Stone Cold and Undertaker versus uh, Kane and Mankind. And, you know, it was a, I mean, it may have been, you know, a pretty good show, but for, you know, for my first experience at a rest at a WWF show was this really great experience. And I was really excited at that time, you know, as being a kid, like 10 years old. Well, what about, what about this event? The, the October 23rd, year 2000, the night after no mercy, just briefly tell me what your thoughts were going into this event. And, just as excited, you know, I mean, like at, when I was in school, you know, I mean, I told uh, some of the kids in my class that, you know, b- beforehand that when I found out I was going to my very first live WWF Monday Night Raw show, they were just really excited as well, too. And, and of course, you know, you know, once we um, once we were on our way over to the arena at the Hartford Civic Center, I, um, I can remember also being excited because it's on t- going to be on live TV and um you know, once we got there, I'm just thinking, oh, this is great. This is going to be a really great show. I mean, like right after the pay-per-view and everything, we're going to see, you know, The Rock, Stone Cold, Kurt Angle. I mean, well, hopefully, you know, Stone Cold if he was going to get out of prison. Yeah, yeah, he was he was pretty busy that night. Justin, your thoughts uh, going into this event, coming off that No Mercy uh, pay-per-view before we get started? Uh, my first thoughts probably, again, being my first event live in person was about damn time you know like you said you had a lot of years ahead of us and and plenty of events that you were dropped off at or taken to as a kid that unfortunately we were not of age to go to and and you know even then i you know i all all of us wanted to go with you and enjoy those events because that's how much we all love wrestling together um so yeah it was about damn time but um as far as this show goes um this was like to me like 
the the height of the Attitude Era. It, it, it didn't get better than this. And Stone Cold Steve Austin was just returning from his sabbatical, his near year-long neck injury. You know, after that hit and run, he was, um, you know, ready to be reinserted into uh, a WWF, you know, scene that was taking over the world. And, uh, you know, it, it was... I was just very excited. I remember being in school and, you know, talking to my small group of friends that were, you know, are you going? Are you going? Oh, I'm going. Yeah, awesome. That's cool. Yeah, totally. You know, one friend in particular, Ted Duboff. Shout out Ted Duboff. Oh, yeah. Greatest, greatest Sergeant Pepperoni's delivery man of all time. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he was a big Steve Austin fan. And, and I remember, you know, just hoping that he would go so that we could meet up at the show. You know, or you know, and I don't think he ended up going, or he said he did, and we never could, we could never link up because it's not like we had cell phones at the time. So, um, I just remember just the buzz, you know, in the halls of you know King Philip Middle School amongst you know the small clique of wrestling fans, at least out loud wrestling fans, that it was it was coming to Hartford, and we were getting the biggest stars on television coming, and it was, oh man, I couldn't wait. Yeah, I definitely was really pumped for it. Um, it was, it was, uh, I'd been like I said, I'd been to a few shows. Um, I want to say this was my third televised show I had been to. Uh, earlier that year in the building, I saw No Way Out 2000, which we will definitely cover on a future episode of Kicking Out at 2. Um, I'd seen uh, a Monday Night Raw a year prior, with the night that uh, The Undertaker abducted Stephanie McMahon, and they, they tried to you know get married. Get married, you know. Marry her to the Lord of Darkness. Oh, yes. But... Uh, the um yeah I was definitely pumped for this show I will say you know I was a senior in high school you guys were in middle school and um, I do remember because Dad was going with us and we've talked about this before but um, because it was the Attitude Era I just remember how much like if there was content like you know of the adult nature uh, very sexual content um, that you guys were exposed to. I know that like mom and dad weren't really too thrilled with that. They used to blame me a lot for uh, for, for for influencing it. But um, I just remember like being excited but worried at the same time that like oh shit, dad's gonna be sitting with us. And what happens if there's a bra and panties match? Which we well. will, well, yeah, w- w- which we will get to shortly because there is definitely one of those in this episode of Monday Night Raw. But all right, so what I'm gonna do here is uh, have you all go to WWE Network right now and search and. Uh, under the in-ring section and go to the Monday Night Raw replays and you're going to search for the year 2000. The date is October the 23rd, 2000. Monday Night Raw from the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, give you a, a, a moment or two to catch up here. I'll, I'll, while we do that, I, I think it's really cool... Uh, again, to be doing this, and I think, like I said before, like looking back on this now, like this is a show that was just stacked. This was like almost like the 1927 New York Yankees with everybody that was on this show. This is coming from a Red Sox fan too. Wow. Yeah. Holy hey, cow. it's props. You know, yeah, yeah, props, no, no, no. you know what I mean. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. You know, this was from top to bottom, Hall of Famers everywhere, and it's just crazy to think that this was that long ago where the the body of work was was, you know. In one of these episodes, so I think it's just really, really cool that we're about to watch something that's like, damn, look at that guy! Oh my god, look at that guy! Yeah. And I know that's gonna be really cool for Zach and Daryl too. So, yeah, this episode goes one hour, thirty six minutes, and twenty three seconds on the WWE Network. Like I said, Monday Night Raw, October the twenty third, two thousand in five or 
Well, let, let me do it properly. We're gonna give you a proper countdown. We'll, uh, we'll, who wants to do it? You, anybody want to do a you want to do a countdown? Do you want to do the countdown? Who wants to do it? Daryl, go good. Daryl, Daryl, you go for it. Bring us in at your service. It will be five, four, three, two, one. And here we are opening uh, with a, uh, a a tribute package uh, to the late Yokozuna, who had died earlier. I don't know if it was earlier in the day or if it was earlier in the week or over the weekend, but uh, Yokozuna had passed. Um, one of the most uh, uh, underrated big men, in my opinion, in wrestling history. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I do recall, this will be one of the memories I do remember, before the show going on the air, seeing a, a, like a, a father or you know, an adult with a child, and he had mentioned, like just in passing to the kid, who was probably you know my age, like, hey, you're like, yeah, Yokozuna guy died today. And I'm like, wait, what? No, no way. That didn't happen. Um, but one thing they sent, mentioned in that video package, that, which I had watched yesterday just to kind of do a little bit of homework, they called him a three-time WWF champion. Three-time? Really? I did yeah. not know that. Which, yeah. unfortunately, he was two. He was a two-time, yeah. So I thought that was an interesting error. Two-time! Two-time! As we see the standard Monday Night Raw uh, signature open with, like you said, the, the, the thick of it with the Attitude Era. Um, anything? Con- any men- memories conjuring up there, Zach? Uh Nothing at the moment. No, I not nothing at the. I you know what? I, when we get when we get rolling here, I think I'm gonna start seeing a lot of things that I remember. Um, I do remember the Yokozuna um, thing coming up on the screen inside the the arena for sure. Do you remember us calling you Yokozuna growing up because you were <laughs> uh, horizontally a stout? Absolutely, of course. I didn't, haven't forgotten any of that stuff, but. Yeah, you got um, a, you got a receipt coming for that one. He's yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's. I mean, I the, I mean, I haven't watched anything recently, but all of the signs. There's a lot of signs. I. There's not that many nowadays. Yeah, definitely a lot of signs. Wow, a lot where you're like, you know, sit down. Your yeah. signs in the way. Yeah. Uh, or 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 no, go ahead, Daryl. I mean, it, it, the way I see those signs, you know, you know. When the Attitude Era was growing, you know, and it was just like, you know, it, it was like being in a, in a rock concert, you know, for for fans, you know, who would just like, you know, they want to, you know, you've seen people with signs like, you know, The Rock, and you've seen a couple of South Park characters dress up like, you know, either the Oddities or the Road Dogs or DX or any of them, you know, it's just like, you know, it, it just brings back a lot of memories, and of course you don't see that too many poster signs nowadays in, in, in today. Here we see Rikishi. Making his way down the ring uh, with his uh, his best Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville Hawaiian shirt or Samoan shirt, I should say, because he is you know a uh, a member of you know the Samoan dynasty of the Anawai family, who is related. He was the was he the cousin or was he the brother? He was the cousin of Yokozuna, correct? Uh, yeah, I want to say it was Yoko's mo- or mother was like the sister of Afa and Sika. Okay, you know, and and I want to say, or maybe it was Rikishi's mom, but there was there was uh, a parent of theirs was related to the best of my recollection um, to the Wild Samoans. So yeah, they were like first generation uncles to you know Rikishi and of course Yoko. Okay, yeah, and and this here obviously, if you, I don't know if you remember this act, but uh, you know Rikishi was revealed as the guy who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin a year prior. 
which set up their match at No Mercy the night before. Um, but he was, he also had revealed that he had uh, he had run over Stone Cold for The Rock. He I did it for The Rock. If I don't know if you remember any of that, but um, yeah, as we see this uh, sold out capacity crowd in the Hartford Civic Center, always will be the Hartford Civic Center. Fuck the XL Center. It's always the Hartford Civic Center, in my opinion. Oh, amen to that. That's but um, hallelujah. But Rikishi here. Um, I don't know. Let me get let, let me get your thoughts, Daryl. Did you think that Rikishi? Um, was he a good choice as the guy that ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin? Because I feel like the anticipation in like the year that 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 you know prior when Austin was out, like I was expecting kind of a bigger name. Like, did you did you think Rikishi was a good choice? Yes or no? I would say no because I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming at all because I was expecting somebody like Mister um, McMahon or Triple H or or. Or any of the top guys that would have done that to Stone Cold at Survivor Series. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Austin, you got bail. Look at that mullet on that lady. Did you see that lady right there? next to the Austin got bail shirt? She had quite the mullet on her. You know uh, what? She was far behind and ahead of her time because it already made a comeback. <laughs> the so. mullet has made a comeback. Yes, it, yes, indeed it has. But, yeah, uh, you know, I, I know in this, um, this spot here he's kind of coming out and, you know, licking his wounds and kind of, bragging about sending uh, Austin to jail and kind of kind of claiming the uh, the victory if you will from last night um, he uh, was got a lot of heat here um, watching back the other day I, I it, that was one of the first things that I remembered watching the show and, and having him cut promos he just the crowd loves Stone Cold Steve Austin that much that when this guy puts that microphone up to his his mouth they just they just have a none of it from him. Yeah, it, I mean, I just remember it being very, very loud in there. Like it was, you know, it, it was, it was deafening. It was probably one of the loudest um, events I had been to, you know, at that time. Probably the loudest, uh, just because of the uh, the the, the storylines and the ramifications surrounding this show here. Uh, you know, Rikishi also from from doing my homework, watching this recently, uh, is uh, you know. Trying to make amends with The Rock because it was Rikishi who accidentally cost The Rock the World Wrestling Federation Championship the night before to Kurt Angle. And he would like The Rock to come out and so he can explain himself and apologize for uh, the the miscommunication. As, yep, you, you ask and now you shall receive as the great one, The Rock, making his way down the ramp, that long ramp inside the sold-out Hartford Civic Center looking to uh, confront Rikishi over last night's uh, last night's loss to Kurt Angle. So, Zach, I because I was thinking this, you know, the other day, watching back, you know, you see him here, and, you know, he's got, you know, the haircut and the fancy, you know, $10,000 shirt, you know, and everything that The Rock brought to the game here. Did you, I think, you know, and this is a good question for, I think, anybody, did you think that The Rock... Um, would ascend to the heights that he's ascended to, out, even outside of wrestling. Like, the guy is Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone times 10 now. You know what I mean? The guy, there's a there's talk of him running for president now. Like, that, this, and this was, you know, 18 years ago. Uh, no, actually. Um, I think the one thing that I really think about when I think of The Rock or Dwayne Johnson or however he's going uh, these days is the... Uh, he, he, 
at least as far as I can remember, he was the first one to kind of have that success. You know what he's had now, I guess, with his being you know uh, on TV and in movies and um, kind of transforming himself, separating himself from professional wrestling. Um, in my opinion, I mean. People forget he was a yeah, wrestler because you know, he's such and, a popular and, and, movie star. Yeah, and, and now we've gotten older, and as I've gotten older, you know, I've talked to younger people who don't know that he was a professional wrestler, that he's just an actor, or he's the guy in, you know, in that movie, or you know. And I just remember going and seeing some of his movies when he first got into the movie business and how horrible some of them were. The first couple movies that he did were... The Tooth Fairy. Or I, I can't even remember. What was the... Uh, was it Game Plan? Game Plan. That movie was horrendous. And now he's, well, you know... I thought it was okay to me. You know, and, and, and he's evolved, uh, you know, with what he's doing. And, you know, I mean, I'm looking at him right now, and uh, that shirt is just... Oh, my God, man. That shirt looks terrible. It's just funny seeing, especially the sunglasses. Those were like the signature sunglasses that he wore, and always had his shirt open. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely that was cool though. I mean, it definitely. Yeah, man, I mean, if you could walk around looking like The Rock. Oh, absolutely! Ooh, look, I were big time, man. It I mean, I remember. I can't remember what show awful. what show it was, but remember we used to always joke when uh, Dave came home from a show that we didn't go to, and he had the little elbow pad. <laughs> And remember, he told us that he yeah. that the Rock threw the elbow pad he into the crowd, it. and he caught it. And of course, we all believed him. You bought it. We bought it. <laughs> oh, I remember that. It wasn't this one because you were there, but I believe uh, we weren't. We weren't getting them. Yeah, from you were. We were sitting. Yeah, so yeah. Well, all right. If you look closely, all right, and for over our listeners that, that are watching, right over the Rock's right shoulder, that staircase. Now we just totally missed it. So. Right over the now it's going to be towards his left. It's basically if you're staring at the, the hard camera. Seats. Yeah, no, we weren't in the cheap sheets, or or were we? We were. We were up there. We were I like thought above we were, were the camera line right there. Really? I yeah. thought we were like dead level, like right, like nah. like one fifth, like section one fifteen there, like to the rocks, to the left of the rock. No, I, I, I mean, your memory might be better than mine, but I recall us being up there. Okay, you know I, I mean, mean it, I recall it, turning around and seeing seats behind us that weren't filled in. Yes, it, it was still a sellout, guys, but yeah, you know, there they couldn't put you in the corner of the room without you not being unable to see. That's yeah. how old this building. Is. Okay, I mean, I don't, I vaguely remember, but you know, I could be like I said, I'm older, so my memory has a tendency to, uh, to uh, lapse. At times, <laughs> so when it when it comes to these things, uh, I used to be able to remember, you know, who wore the Intercontinental Championship on this date and at what time and in what city, and you know if the sun was going down at the time when it happened. But uh, now I can't even remember, uh, you know, where we were sitting for this event. I thought we were in, the, in that particular section, but I could be because I remember the seats that I bought. Um, Dad gave me money to go get them online. At West Farms Mall in West Hartford, Connecticut, at which is now Macy's. It was once Filene's. Oh, that's right. And I used to have to get those tickets on a Saturday morning, and I was a part of a lottery. And there used to be, like, hundreds of wrestling fans there just so that you can wait in line to then pull a ticket to then get in the lottery, and then they restart the fucking line. So you could show up first thing there and be the first one there, but that didn't mean you were getting the, the, the a crack at the, the best tickets. But um, it was so long ago. Shit, I don't even remember here. Um, as we see The Rock basically verbally dressing down Rikishi. Uh, not happy that Rikishi cost him the WWF Championship to Kurt Angle the night before. 
telling him that he can basically wipe his 400-pound Samoan ass with his feelings. Um, yeah, I think it was, um, you know, again, part of this promo, too, is, like, the Rock... Rikishi's trying to, like, unify the Rock with their background. Again, you know, the Rock being in that Samoan dynasty of a family and the background they have, you know, pre-wrestling, you know, you know, he's trying to kind of, like, play that, like, oppressed, like, they're holding us down type thing, you know? And, and the Rock's like, no. No, I'm not playing that game. Like, you know, you cost me the title. You know, I don't care what you were thinking out there, but we're not we're not cool. He's also trying in 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 a very subtle way without saying it in so many words. He's also trying to implicate that the rock was behind this you know, the 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 vehicular assault on Steve Austin a year prior, but without saying that Rock was the one that called the shots. Right, you right, know. Right. And the, and that's where it's leaving the fans you know, doubt in their minds whether The Rock had something to do with this or not, even though deep down, because he was so popular, they didn't want him to be a part of this, which, in the end, it turned out he had nothing to do with it in storyline, but here we see The Rock, final words before he hoists Rikishi up for The Rock bottom in the center of the ring as the crowd inside the Hartford Civic Center blows the roof off the place, the proverbial roof off the place, as they say, in the wrestling business. And well, really history lesson for people who don't aren't aware: the roof actually collapsed way back when, long time ago, at the Hartford Civic Center. That's right. In yeah, I want to like say the it was seventies, seventy-eight. I want to yeah, say yeah, nineteen seventy-eight. That's what people know the Hartford Civic Center for is like after like a Connecticut Whalers or Hartford Whalers. It was game, a Hartford Whalers. It was it know, was after Whalers game, well, so the you know, game was already... like the janitor was the only guy in the building, and the roof collapsed. Yeah. yeah. As we see the graphic here, Kurt Angle and Stephanie McMahon later on in this program will address the audience after Kurt Angle's big win. Uh, for the World Wrestling Federation Championship and a tag team championship match set for later. Edging Christian challenging Los Conquistadores for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship. Any memories coming up there, Zach? Or, you know, the the uh, the guys in the uh, the outfits look a little familiar. I can't place the name. But, yeah. <laughs> this is, the this guys is, who have masks on, they yeah. look familiar. But yeah. the broadcasting it's, booth, I always like the, the the broadcasting. Like, I think... The table at ringside? <laughs> yeah, and I think the thing for me that I really liked and I kind of took me away from watching was when... It sounds really corny, but when Vince used to do that, I really liked when Vince did that. Like, you liked? That was, that was my... I really, really liked wow, that. Wow, okay. And when he stopped doing that, it was kind of... I liked his whole shtick, you know, and I, I always enjoyed that, even if it was kind of like childish or corny. It can it can be seen as corny, but yeah, um, no, I I, I I can get behind Vince at times on on commentary, but you know, you're not you're not in the minority, that's for sure, when it comes to uh, Vince McMahon on commentary. But definitely, you know, all four of us are not in the minority um, when it comes, you know, especially at that age. Um, you know, I was a senior in high school, so I believe I was 17 going on 18, and you guys were 10 going on 11, 11 going on 12 over here, Daryl. So, uh, you know, we were definitely not in the minority regarding the uh, the brawn panties match that is being set up here with Mick Foley um, making it. Uh... All right, so here's the parking garage. Now, I used to work in this building, okay? We talked about this on a recent episode of Kicking Out of Two, Justin. You is said that, that... the church outside? No, that's not the church. Well, actually, the you know corner. what? You might be right. But you said it you said it in a recent episode that it's the worst building in the history of America or the worst arena in America after you had spoken to someone to some roadies. Uh, to, yeah. to some roadies. 
Um, that ramp was probably easier to get down than the ramp opposite on the other side of the building with an 18-wheeler, which was much longer and steeper. Because um, I had had to, you know, I, I had to pull a few vehicle, you know, catering vehicles in there from time to time when I had done uh, some catering work in the building. Uh, as we see a replay of the Rock. Uh, tagging up Rikishi. And here's Lita defending the World Wrestling Federation Women's Championship in this brawn panties match. Do they and still do that? They, still do they that? don't do brawn panties no. matches anymore. The girls are... It, we're in a progressive world here, Zach. The girls are athletes. Yeah. They're treated as equal yeah, guys. they're not sex symbols anymore. Yeah, they are, you know? they're, they're powerful. They're sexy, yes. Yes. But uh, they, are, they are equals to the, the male wrestlers as well. Now, this was the portion of the show where... I kept looking over at Dad because it was a bra and panties match to see what kind of reaction he was going to have because you guys were so young and because I used to get so much shit from Mom and Dad about the content and you guys watching it. And I used to always say, well, I'm not their parents. I can't tell them what to watch. It's up to you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, here is Trish Stratus. And holy cow. Look at her. Woo. Man alive. Gorgeous woman here. As we get set for this WWF Women's Championship match, bra and panties. I mean, like this is just like bra and panties aside. Like these are two of the best women's wrestlers in the history of WWE. Absolutely. We got them in a title match. Absolutely. Monday Night Raw. Like, yeah. Something you didn't appreciate, you, you know, back then. But like, like I said, you look back and you look at, you know, the 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 lineup that was presented on this show. Like, my God, this this main event at a Raw later, you know, later yeah. in later years. About so, four four or five years later, yeah, I believe. So I mean, like, geez, like. Madison Square Garden, I believe it was that they made a venue that raw. Was it Madison Square Garden, or was it somewhere in North Carolina? Uh, I think it is at Madison Square Garden, if I'm not mistaken. We'll have to we'll have to look to anybody out there that uh, you know. I'm pretty sure it is North Carolina, only because would like to help us out, Charlotte please, by all means. Slide in our DMs made over. Mentioned that in a in a recent interview or in an interview at some point. That she was sitting ringside for this main event in North Carolina because you know her dad worked for the, you know the WWE at the time. So here we by see. By all means, please prove us wrong. Give us the facts. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out it too. Hit that like button if you have not already. Slide in our DMs and prove us right or wrong. Was Trish and Lita's history-making main event in North Carolina or in Madison Square Garden in New York City? Ooh, Jesus, that was a little sloppy there. As we see, you know, now it's shirts and skins. Like I said, I was cringing during this during this uh, during this match because I was just I was just afraid that like Dad was like never gonna let me watch wrestling with you guys again. Well, <laughs> the same here, you know, because a couple times he did encourage me to stop watching wrestling, and I was very upset with him, like thinking, you know, what do you think is gonna happen to me? You think I'm gonna do something, you know, horrible at school? I mean. I mean, for God's sakes, it's just a show. It's a television show. That's all it is. Yeah. So do they? So do, you don't. Pay, so you don't get pinned if you rip off their, their clothing. Clothes. Then the Strip bell down then, to their bra and panties. Then the yeah. bell rings and that's it. Yep. yep. That's it. That's the, okay. the the end of it right there. So I can see where you might be a little confused because that is not, as you will see here, what it just came off. Trish were not her panties. No, those so, were uh, those were as the kids would say, booty shorts. Yeah. I think that's what they and, call. Them. And, Look at Jerry Lawler. <laughs> Of Look course, at Jerry Lawler. Of course, Jerry Lawler, you know, he always, uh, as we remember, you know, he would always say the words puppies because, you know, when Deborah, you know, who was managing Jeff Jerry, when she would go up to the ring ramp and distract the Jarrett's opponent and she would just like, 
get the guy's attention, and he would yell out "puppies" and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Lawler was Lawler was very famous for uh, for an advocate of the puppies. People who weren't advocates, though. Yeah, uh, not of the puppies. They advocated yeah. other stuff, but it wasn't yeah. puppies. The right to censor. Now, Zach, here. All right, put you on the spot here. Before I label who these four gentlemen are, I'm going to have you take a guess at who these four gentlemen are at the top of the stage. They're the right to censor, but can you name? Can you name a few of them? Who they were in their past lives. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy in the white pants, isn't that, uh, what's his name? Um, he had long hair. Um, Val Venus, right? Correct. Who yeah. wasn't ding, he ding, like, ding, ding. he was kind of like the He was a porn star. Bro- well, I didn't know that. But. He did, well, he did, did, his character, he was a porn star. Oh, I thought he was kind of like a, the our version of like our generation's, um... God, what was his name? Um, and he did the same. He did the Rick same. Rude. Yeah, like he was yeah, like he Rick was basically Rude. the attitude yeah. era version. Of yeah. Rick yeah, and then the, the guy in the um, the guy with the tattoos. God, what was his name? He was like a pimp. Like his, you're he had correct. Gimmick you're close. You're pimp. getting warmer. Pimpin' ain't easy. Yeah, I can't remember his name warmer. though. God, what was his name? It's a, it, the hoe train and all that. Well, he stuff. had the hoe train. Yes, yeah. he had the hoes. He 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 lit a fatty for for all the pimp daddies. Yeah, he um, pimping up. was not easy for him. Uh, and it's a big movie that's named has this title. Yeah, there's Very three of them. Costa, Nostra, one in one and two are good. Variety. The third one kind of sucked. Michael Corleone. Oh, The Godfather. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. And he had the weird, the big hat and everything. Yep. And the, the oh, yeah. He had a lot of different names. The cigar was like. Before he became The Godfather. Yeah. Yes, do you remember as a child he was once Papa Shango? Yeah, I remember you guys telling me that. Yeah. But he always had like a mask on or something, so you, I didn't know. He had face you know. paint, yeah. Face yeah. paint, yeah. He came out with this uh, voodoo uh, skull and all that. With yeah, smoke coming yeah. out of it. And he, I remember as a kid, he came to out in the ring and he just put a curse on the ultimate warrior and all that and ultimate warrior went backstage and he was throwing up like fake vomit of peas it yeah. was ritz crackers oh, all right it was, i have no it idea was who the yeah, people are but, was like oh. a live and let die bond villain like yeah so the so the 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 female here on on the stage is ivory she had just joined the right to censor this was her debut as the female uh of the group and behind her uh Stephen Richards, who was once Stevie Richards. Okay, yeah. Hard, hard leap there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't really that much in a past life. And then the other gentleman to to our right here on the screen at the far end is uh, Bull, Bu- Bull... Let me get that right. Bull Buchanan, uh, who didn't really do a whole lot before this. Well, actually, he was with the big boss man, and um, he was also in the Truth Commission. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he uh, if if you can remember this, I mean, he tag team with Big Boss Man against the Godfather and D'Lo Brown in the opening match of WrestleMania 2000, which is formerly WrestleMania 16. That's right. You he was are B correct. Squared with John Cena. Right? Oh my God! Yes, he yeah. was. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he was that too. So so yeah. so Val Venus was still Val Venus, but the Godfather was changed to the Good Father. Oh. <laughs> because he didn't pimp anymore. <laughs> He was not with the hoes. I mean, he he didn't like no fatties for no pimp daddies. You know, he was, he wasn't doing any of that. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't helping the girls turn them tricks. If you know what I mean. He was, you know, he was all about what's right, and uh, you know, it, it, this this was a group that I, that you know came about to kind of as like, you know, a response from the company from like all like the personal interest groups, like you know. You know the mothers against drunk driving, and you know mothers against WWE. All the gratuitous content the company had, 
you know, the WWE was like, screw it, let's make that into an angle. Let's bring something like that onto the yeah. onto our show. So, you know, just a cool little tidbit there. And uh, we go here to, to one of my favorite tag teams of all time, Edge and Christian. And the guys that you remember, the Los Conquistadores. Yeah, how the hell do you remember them, but you don't remember Edge and Christian? No, I mean, I know who Edge is. I mean, I... And Christian. Yeah. Christian always gets forgotten Damn. about that. <laughs> hey, it's been a really long time, man. I can't remember the last time. I mean, I when you came to visit me when I was living in North Carolina, when you put the WWE Network on my TV, when you went home, I ended up watching the... Uh, the Hell in the Cell match by myself. It's a gift that keeps on giving. So, the look at that. Network. So that look was something that. I did watch. Yeah, I remember. It was the, the 2016 WWE draft we watched. What the hell? I didn't remember this. It, no, no. Watch. This is hilarious. Nothing. So someone pulled their station. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all that happens. That's all that happens. Well, that's and, and so, so they're anticipating the arrival of the new champion, Kurt Angle. Um, I remember so that. They were all excited, and then, of course, they're like, oh, no, look who's coming. And then it's like, Kurt Angle oh. Small and then car. meanwhile, Uncle Buck shows up. <laughs> yeah, right. All we were missing was the, the, the exhaust pipes yeah. blown out. Uh Here's a, here's a real Debbie Downer. How are we gonna how are we gonna talk about Chris Benoit right Aren't now? Aren't they making a oh, movie that's about easy. him? Making Nothing. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> They're making a movie about him, right? Isn't I heard something it's in the works? Leave Schreiber. Yeah, I heard. I, I heard they've discussed Benoit. it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really keep you know follow too much, but I mean, I do remember at this time as a kid, um, I was a big Triple H fan, and I enjoyed this match from No Mercy with him and Benoit. I thought it was really fun. Um, I was a big Benoit fan at the time. Um, this is obviously pre murder suicide, of course, but I just remember when I watched this match. You know, I watched the show back recently this week. Um, this was probably the longest time Chris Benoit was cutting an interview on the microphone without someone kind of going back and forth with him because he was never one to be a guy that you know, um, you know, cut a good promo, let alone a a lengthy promo and. He was out here for a fair amount of time on his own, treading water with the microphone, which uh, you know was not something I uh, not something I, I I thought was his strong suit. Oh, obviously, no, no doubt he was a wrestler's wrestler. It looked like you know when he's holding on to that microphone, it's like he's you know uh, nurturing his own baby bottle. <laughs> yeah, that could be that could be the case too, as we see. Uh, He's basically complaining about wrestling fans and how wrestling ability doesn't matter. Um, you could be the best in the world, but you know, um, fans don't care about that. Which, at this time, <laughs> wasn't very far off. Well, you know, it's not very, very far off today either. Even, but you know, that's a discussion for another time. Well, I, you know, yeah, definitely a, a way to not endear himself to the audience by kind of, you know, attacking the fans' likes and dislikes. Um, Definitely a guy who, in what ten months of already being here, you definitely expected more from Benoit this time. You know, he had that false dusty finish the earlier in the summer with the Rock on pay per view. That's where right. He was the champion, and yep. then reversed the decision. Yeah, man, Benoit was was a hot commodity um, coming in, and you know he, you know, had some shortcomings following this, and you know, leading up to his title win at WrestleMania twenty. But you know, he was. He was still a guy that the fans were really strongly behind, despite the fact that he went with this this type of you know bitter character. Yeah, I mean they respected his ability in the ring, and I think too, what 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 got fans behind him at that time was because wrestling was so. We were starting to 
get more even though WCW was still in existence at this time, wrestling was starting to become more, um, you know, obviously the behind-the-scenes stuff with the internet. Um, people were able to obtain information more. Social media wasn't obviously a thing at this time, but people knew of Benoit's story and, and his exit from WCW and how controversial that was, him walking out on the company and coming into the WWF, that I think that story in and of itself was one of the main reasons why people got behind him aside from his athletic ability and speaking of someone who didn't have much athletic ability uh, here's the road dog uh could 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 cut a promo like a son of a bitch but holy cow he was definitely not a refined technical wrestler as he's uh getting the boots put to him by chris benoit here well, zach you gotta remember the road dog right yeah yeah um oh you didn't know yeah and the other um <clears throat> Badass Billy. Yeah, yeah, that's your boy, yeah. Mr. S. The new Age Outlaw. Yeah, yeah, and then, um, oh, man, Chris Benoit's, um, his finisher was the uh, the cross face, right? Yes, the cross, yes. which we'll see shortly in this yeah. match. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't remember the uh, I don't remember Road Dogs. Uh, he was. No one remembers Road Dog's finisher. Yeah, yeah. everyone right. remembers what Road Dog yeah. says in the microphone. Yeah. They don't. They the, bell, don't the bell rang, and then that was know, it. Yeah, was the it. bell and rang. Again, I don't mean the bad way because the guy could work, but his. His, the road dog character wasn't a guy you were you were uh, clamoring clamoring for to see five star matches, um, but you know still a good wrestler. You know history treats him well. Uh, I think one thing that we missed too that again they plug a lot late in this show is there's a lot of stuff that WWF had their hands in. You know outside the ring. The that cookbook. Was, yeah, the cookbook. I and have it here TV. in the studio. It's uh, actually... I, th- I Do I? No, I don't think I do. I, I I think I saw it recently at Mom and Dad's when yeah. I was helping them move that or, shit you know, out of the basement. And they were doing, and they mentioned it on Regis... Live with Regis Philbin, they were doing a Can You Take the Heat week. They had plugged, and we continued to plug throughout the show, and each day a different wrestler would go on Regis and, and cook... A personal recipe of theirs, which I thought was pretty cool. China did her guacamole salad earlier that morning on live right. on Regis, and um, in New York City. And this was a big week for the company too, because this this upcoming Wednesday, and they showed the crawl earlier. The WWF was going public; they were now a publicly traded company. A few days later, as you see that show. crossface sack reference there. Um, so yeah, the WWF was almost like a giant infomercial. This show, at least on TV, because they were just pushing so much stuff and it was it was hot everything they touched turned to gold at this time and i and there you see dean malenko who kind of had a hand in this victory um looks like the uh the radicals was this was this the uh, the reformation of the radicals at one point or were, they, were we starting to see some of that because i know that like when they came in they were a group and then they kind of you know split them up like, I don't know if they reformed more than it was like you always knew they were together, but yeah. they weren't together. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Here we have Rikishi and Michael Cole. Looks like Rikishi has not left the building yet, uh, and he plans on sticking around for a little while longer uh, to, to see fit that, you know, him and The Rock patch things up in this uh, pretty hot start to Monday Night Raw, I, I, I will say. Um this is like definitely like just a prototypical Attitude Era show. Just car wreck after car wreck of just bing, bang, boom, get it in, get it out. Just balls to the wall action. You know, people would probably complain about a four minute match, but speaking it works of, here. Speaking of getting out, we just saw those two people walking up the they ramp. They were done. They were, they were done know, for the. They were work. done for catering. They're out. Here's the coach with some hair. Yeah, Jonathan Coachman and Triple H with a lot of hair. Of 
course, the coach had no goatee, of course, you know, and, of course, yeah, you could see Triple H, you know, with hair. And, of course, you know, today of Triple H, you know, he's got no hair, but just a scary, bushy-looking beard to try to make himself look scary to people. Yep, yeah, he's definitely uh, evolved over the years with his look. Um, so I know he's talking here, unless you were going to jump into that. Dave. No, 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 go for it. He's uh, he's talking about, he kind of starts with his Benoit spiel about everything that went on there, but he kind of focuses attention more so on Stephanie McMahon, his wife, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley's involvement in the main event the night before. Um, you know, yeah, well, Kurt Angle and, her, his, and his relationship with Stephanie is more of a business relationship, you know. He holds that Kurt Angle very responsible for the well-being of his wife at ringside, as well as The Rock, which is going to help set up the the further action that we see here tonight. And he, he, he lets the coach know, and of course, Angle and The Rock, under no uncertain terms, that you know there will be consequences for for what happens to you know Stephanie if something should. So yeah, yeah. There, you know, a few months prior, there was that really hot storyline with Triple H, Kurt Angle, and Stephanie McMahon, and that supposed love triangle. Uh, let's get a memory check, <laughs> Zach. <laughs> let's get a memory check here as we're, uh, we're 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 in the thick of it here and in, 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 I'm kicking out it too. Uh, anything coming back to you? Uh, honestly, not at the moment. Wow. Um, I know it's real hard. Uh, You're making this podcast very difficult. I'm I'm like the worst one in this group. Uh, (laughs) Well, I did open it up by saying you don't really watch wrestling anymore. You don't watch wrestling at all anymore. So, I mean, you know, I guess like, you know, everyone kind of came to the conclusion listening to this that, you know. That you're the turd. Yeah. You're the turd of the bug. You're the turd in the punch bowl. (laughs) If you go farther back, though, like if you go, you know. Farther back than this? Yeah. I I remember stuff farther back. I I don't know. It's, it's, It's hard. Um, That's okay. I know. I, I I I get it. I understand. And we've got a, a crime in progress, or at least a, the the recording of a crime in progress with Steve Austin and Rikishi. And this was I don't know. To me, this was a big deal. Again, I kind of said this at the top. Steve Austin was returning to a to a WWF that was hotter than it ever had been, yep. even when he was you know before he had left. Yeah. Um. And again, the insertion of him back into the scene was was like great it's like it's the rich getting richer you know what i mean yep um so this was just awesome stuff and you and and there was some intrigue in, in this hit and run storyline that you know while rikishi wasn't the flavor that everybody was looking for you know you, you still wanted to see steve austin raise hell and, and and kind of you know seek revenge on on you know rikishi now let me ask let me ask i'll start with daryl uh we you said rikishi wasn't a good choice uh do you if you can remember this, because I know some of us here in the room have, have a tough time with memory, Zach Rosenbluth. Uh, <laughs> um, going back 19 years ago, did you think that there was more to this story than just Rikishi being the driver? Did you think that something else was going to come up of this before we actually found out? Well, I still didn't think that uh, Rikishi would be the guy that would ran over Stone Cold, to be honest with you. But I'm saying after it was revealed that Rikishi was the driver, did you think that there was more that was going to come about from this story? Probably. Probably, yeah, if, you know, if, if they would make something a little bit more exciting, you know, for people, for fans like us to watch and, you know, and tell people about this and all that and saying, hey, did you see this? I mean... 
with Rikishi and all that, and Stone Cold getting a brawl and all that, and Stone Cold getting arrested and all that. It's just like you know. I, I gotta say, I, I got. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I gotta cut you off. No, no, no. Um, during that whole bit there, before, you know, and I and I definitely want to address this with Crash in a second. But first, um, they're talking about Steve Austin, you know, kind of getting hauled off to jail the night before, um, and how they were negotiating Steve Austin's bail all day long. <laughs> now, I'm not a criminal justice major. Uh, my run-ins with the law are very minimal. Don't have a perfect record, but. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can get out pretty quickly, um, unless there was some sort of outstanding warrants that the Texas Rattlesnake may have had. Depending on the charges, though. Be that as it, but he's negotiating his bail. Even Jerry Lawler mentions it in the broadcast. He goes, he goes, how much? Come on, Austin's got money. He could get, he could make bail. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. and I just thought it was funny how like Jr. is really trying to prop that up and make that work, and uh, the King just like he's got money. He can make bail, and it takes him 24 hours to make bail from Albany, New York, mind you. Brain check, memory check. Who's this? That's uh, Chris Jericho. Oh, okay. there's Kane. That's Kane. Oh, look at oh, you, man. two for two. Didn't he, oh, you're on a roll, buddy. Didn't he just run for uh, a Kane? Seat? He's yeah. the he's the new mayor of Knox County, yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. Hellfire and brimstone for Knoxville. You know the big red machine has take set in Knoxville on fire. That's you right, worked yeah. for that campaign, man. What's up? <laughs> that was pretty good. Oh, the capital of Hartford. Capital of Hartford. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, little little uh, you know. Inside knowledge for you, the Capitol. I used to park in the parking lot of the Capitol, even though you weren't allowed to because you didn't work there. I feel like to we, go to wrestling shows. I feel like because we it was did that free because times. I wasn't paying yeah. no fucking twenty five dollars. Yeah. Now oh, I wanted to bring this up, okay? Oh. So this is William Regal, the, the World Wrestling Federation, the Goodwill European, Ambassador, the Goodwill the Ambassador, William Regal, the World Wrestling Federation European Champion. He's set to face Chris Jericho, and in this promo that he's cutting here, of course, he's going to get some heat and he's going to get the audience in Hartford against him. But something that you will not see in today's wrestling world, Regal made a, hand, a, a, a comment about. Um, more handguns being produced in the state yes, of Connecticut. Did. The Colt Factory yeah. in Hartford. And world famous. Holy cow, like the people ate it up. Now today, because yeah. gun control and the gun issue is so charged. Is, yeah, that people are so fired up over it, which we're not gonna discuss on this show, so I don't want anyone fucking talking about it. But you couldn't you you can't you couldn't get away with something like that in today's wrestling. Uh yeah, it, to this is classic it's just classic work, you know, pick out that element of of the town and run it down. Usually the sports teams are the typical way to go, but, you know, Hartford didn't really have a great sports team history, of, you know, in sports. So, no, you know, Colt, the Colt Factory, you know, it is the, the first, the, the United States' first widespread uh, gun manufacturing factory in the country, uh, which is kind of our little claim to fame, uh, still in existence. Pez, Pez. This Pez is from Connecticut. Pez. Yeah, there's a yes, Pez. Or, Orange, Pez. Connecticut. The candy, Pez. The candy yes. Pez is from Connecticut. My buddy Jim. Yeah, you learn something new every day. Yeah. My buddy, my buddy Jeff, his mother, uh, his mother used to work for Pez. Oh, man, you know, what, you're not, but you know what? You're not going to get much heat running down Pez. So no, certainly not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that that you know, there is uh, little things like that that I think you know us Hartfordites uh, kind of tip our cap to. You know, I drive by the Colt Building every day, so. It's a real thing. It's a big deal. Uh, you know, it's, Ooh, it's it's how we it's how we uh, took down old glory. So I could certainly see uh, I could certainly see William Regal being bitter about that. Oh, nice little slam there by Regal to Jericho. 
But look at this. Look at this Hall of Fame lineup right here. Yeah. I like the belt, the 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 uh, the European belt. I like Did you know, Mr. Memory Man? Did you know <laughs> the European title doesn't even exist anymore? I see, you know what? I didn't know that. Europe has been has not been the same since. Yeah. The you know, Brexit, the EU. I'll tell you something. You know, we'll oh we'll discuss God. the European Championship in a little bit when Kurt Angle comes out on this program because oh, there's yes. actually some 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 pretty uh, uh, staggering statistics yes. regarding the European Championship um, during this uh, d- during during Kurt Angle's uh, championship celebration uh, earlier, and we didn't discuss this because we were kind of you know talking, uh, but you know Jericho. Spilling coffee on Kane, which was that really coffee? It probably was because uh, you know, in that little segment there, Jericho was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Eddie. Sorry, I hope that coffee didn't burn you." And he Oops. was like, "He was like, you know, you have no idea what it's like to get burned." And that's you know, <laughs> which was obviously you know a Katie Vick reference before we ever understood what that meant. Oh God, <laughs> oh, he was boy. A, on a what was it Kane? He, wasn't he? He was uh, Isaac Yankum. Speak of the him? devil, he yep. was Isaac Yankum. Yeah. But before he was ever Isaac Yankum, uh, Mister Kane um, was the victim of arson in his family funeral home at the hands of his brother. We have to go farther back than that yeah, because I'm before- sure you remember that. His brother is big deal. You know, he he was he was a mor- he, yes. yeah. First yeah. name under last name Taker. Yeah, he yeah. worked at, he worked in the morgue. You know, with the mortician, Mister Paul Bear. Um, oh and, yes. You know, it was a very thriving business, and and you know, boys will be boys. You know, you get a hand of you know handle of some embalming fluids, and yeah. and, and, and wasn't and, uh, there a fake cane too? Botch. There you was a fake cane. I remember there was that. there was, but nothing beats the original. Look at that choke slam, hellfire, and brimstone, and he's out. I just remember, you know, that night, you know, when his pyro came out, it was so loud. It was like a loud boom, like a loud shotgun, you know, when, and that scared me and almost, and it just made me jump out of my chair. And that was my first experience of, you know, of how loud the pyros really are inside of the uh, Hartford Civic Center. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely can, uh, you know, catch you by surprise if you're not, if you're not expecting it. As we see, Testin Albert and Trish Stratus. TNA. TNA. Before there was a TNA. Um meaning the organization, inside the Acolyte Protection Agency office, inside that stairwell of the uh, the, the, the basement of the Hartford Civic Center, um, which actually goes down to the uh, the old convention hall. Is it the mall? No, not the mall. Um, it, uh, by the, um, where like all the trucks park. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was where like WrestleMania 11's like fan fest took yeah. place. Like right, downstairs, right, right. like, and like they had like the dividing uh, walls that like separated the locker room and yeah. shit like that where the kitchen is. Yeah. As you see a limo pulling up, um, which is mostly. Big time, big yeah. time stuff going on here. Especially with uh, Javier over here as he opens the door. Honestly, I thought that was Mike Adamley for a half second. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that does look like Mike Adamley. Stephanie McMahon and the new. World Wrestling Federation champion, the Olympic gold medalist, he's Kurt he's got Angle. Hair. Yeah, that was when he had yeah. hair. And it's true. It's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, huh. the three eyes. What were the three eyes that Kurt Angle preached? It's true. It's I no. The three. <laughs> I don't know. His three eyes were intensity, integrity, and intelligence. Oh. So what's about <laughs> to take place here, which is probably one of my more vivid memories, just coming in cold. From this show 
was this championship coronation, this celebration of the new champion. Um, and you'll probably realize why I say that in a second, but here's Stephanie McMahon, the business associate of Kurt Angle, um, ready to start the ceremony, if you will. Um, speaking of someone coming a long way, though, look at, I mean, Daryl, like Stephanie McMahon. Look at her now. She's got short skirt, short leather skirt on, you know, has, uh, you know, milky white arms and a hairstyle that screams Bayside High. Uh, yeah, what she's we, rocking a Kelly Kapowski, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, look how far yeah. she's come. What are your well, what, what, are, what are your best memories of Stephanie McMahon? I always remember her, you know, you know, when she uh, turned her turned her back on her family. And, you know, of course, she sided with Triple H and, you know, being her the most hated woman on the WWF was just like, you know, thinking to myself, wow, this woman's powerful and she's, you know, the highest thing going, you know, on, on TV and everything. And, and at the same time, you know, we haven't even got her, seen her, got her chance to get beat up. Because remember, the first time she got beat up was like after the match at WrestleMania where Vince cost The Rock the championship. And of course, you know, Vince got beat up by The Rock and then Stephanie saw went face-to-face with The Rock and bitch-slapped him, as she always does to a lot of people. And then The Rock was the first person to stood up and just gave her a rock bottom and a people's elbow. And then, of course, Stephanie's, you know... You know, of course, that she's not as attractive as, you know, she was now until she had to get her, you know, her breast implants get so big, you know. For that her. happened? Yeah, wow. she, yeah Never. She, she, she got all real. She got her tits done. But before we all go real. into this, uh, Daryl kind remember of remember anything. Daryl kind of Daryl yeah. kind of alluded to this, uh, and I might as well break the news while we're here. Uh, you know, Daryl talked about Stephanie McMahon siding with Triple H. Well, next month uh, we're going to debut the No Filter Theater here on Kicking Out at Two with my wife joining me. No Filter Nikki. We filmed a pilot. Covering an old episode of Monday Night Raw a while back. You can find that in the archives over at SoundCloud.com. Uh, but Nikki and I are going to sit down and we're going to watch the Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Las Vegas drive through wedding from Oct- uh, November the 28th, 1999, Monday Night Raw. And that was the beginning of the Triple H, Stephanie McMahon working relationship. So... Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that you brought that up, Daryl, uh, that, you know, Stephanie McMahon had sided with Triple H early on in her tenure in the World Wrestling Federation. So stay tuned next month for that as uh, my wife's going to join me and she's going to she's gonna sit down and uh, do a watch along with me of, of that historic episode of Monday Night Raw. But here's some – I want to get into this right here. I know I've been kind of going off on a little tangent here. Um this was great. This celebration was great, going back and watching it. But um, Angle kind of goes over his accolades throughout the course of the year. Um, and uh, with the balloons and the confetti and, uh, you know, and uh, you know things of that nature. Um, brain check, you remember? It was Kurt Angle. I remember the confetti. I remember that. Yeah? Um, and how much of a big deal it was because at that point he was still kind of like this. You know, he was like a a good guy in like a clean jean. You know, um, that was kind of like his his character. So it was it was a big deal. Um, it's the American hero. Yeah, I mean, they were trying to push that whole thing, and yeah, they were definitely pumping it up. Yeah, 
But uh, this was rather interesting because he goes over his accolades and um, Justin, you alluded to it earlier that you know Europe was not the same when the European Championship of the World Wrestling Federation ceased to exist. Uh, however, uh, Kurt Angle might differ with you during his time as the World Wrestling Federation European Champion. Uh, what began this run was his European Championship victory uh, a few months after his debut in the World Wrestling Federation. He claims that tourism grew 38% in Europe after his victory as the European Champion. Makes sense. Makes sense. You know, they want to you know know what Europe's all about. A great representative of America. He he you know was able to shine some spotlight on on the great continent of Europe. It makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and uh, as we continue this celebration here, I believe he's going to point to the video screen at some point and kind of a- a- allude to what this I- is. This is also the famous uh, line that I didn't even know came from Hartford was. Um, he had mentioned he was the first Eurocontinental champion. Oh, I was just however, about to get, just about to get yeah. That. However, uh, he had mentioned how D'Lo Brown actually was the first, but he doesn't count. <laughs> That's how he had said he's. I I captured the Intercontinental Championship to become the first Eurocontinental champion, but well, D'Lo Brown was first, but he doesn't count. <laughs> which was just such a great line that I think I'm like proud to say happened in my presence. Um, it, yeah, but this was like just great. See, he doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. And D'Lo Brown, by the way, defeating uh, what did he defeat? Jeff Jarrett. Yep. To win the Intercontinental title and then become the first Eurocontinental champion. But like Kurt Angle said, that does he not doesn't count. count. That that certainly doesn't count. As he, as he uh, makes reference to his King of the Ring victory, um, winning the King of the Ring in June of two thousand. Uh, I went to the SmackDown taping in Hartford. Uh, two nights after he won the King of the Ring. Um, yeah, Kurt Angle was on a roll, man. He was Rookie of the Year of yeah. all years. It, it, people people forget, like, I mean, he, he's had such a great career, but people forget how awesome the first year of his career was. That, like, I don't know. I just think, like, that, that gets forgotten, you know? And, I, and if I were to say that, like, there, it, we, that there's one individual that probably had the best like rookie year as we see that big old booger just hanging from his nose now holy cow that a fucking bat in a cave um kurt angle probably had the best introduction and 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 he was pushed the most out of anyone that i've ever seen in, in my time in wrestling in in, in in a one year in a one year span it didn't seem like it was forced though it seemed pretty organic like, yeah was, yeah um you know, he, he worked his way through the ranks, uh, just putting on good matches and really just getting that character over because everybody knew he could wrestle. That yeah. Was obviously a no-brainer. So it was about just getting that, you know, holier than now, like Zach said, that, like, just clean, good guy character over to the – so hard that fans would hate it. And that was the design. You know, yeah. This time and age, it, was, it wasn't it was about red, white, and blue and, you know, God bless America. You know, it was just a different time where just someone, you know, like – Kurt Angle was seen as, oh, we're just sick of you. We don't want you. You know, and speaking of the antithesis to that, Mick Foley. <laughs> Any bells here, Mr. Oh, Zach? yeah, of course I remember him. Mr. Sacco and uh, Mankind. I liked when he was Mankind. Um, dude Love, right? Yeah, Dude Love. Look he at was, you. He was Dude yeah. Love. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Catching up. 
what else was uh, the Hell in the Cell match? I remember that with uh, under was it Undertaker? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then what was the match with The Rock where he he hit him with the chair like and the I Quit like, match like fifteen times or something like yep. that? It was crazy. That match, yep. uh, the I Quit match that he had with The Rock was like aired in that. In this con- in this movie called Beyond the Mat, I remember that which too. Which is a yeah. film documentary yeah. that Universal Studios yeah. had aired, and, and all that. And his wife was his wife and kids were in that too, right? Yeah, Nick Foley's wife. She was pretty hot too. She was a good looking lady. You should but, see her now. Yeah, he, he, Foley did well for himself. Yeah, really. He definitely outkicked his coverage. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> is he still involved with the WWE? He now? was just on uh, recently. He's going to be a part of. Or he, as, uh, at the time of this, rec- uh, as we're recording this, uh, um, Mick Foley will be the guest referee, or will have been the guest referee in the Roman Reigns Braun Strowman Hell in a Cell match um, at the Hell in a Cell pay per view on WWE Network, but. Uh, yeah, he was the World Wrestling Federation commissioner at the time with uh, that, that standard red and black flannel. Classic. Sweatpants. Yeah. Always wore the sweatpants. Yeah. When I saw Mick Foley wearing sweatpants and 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 flannel shirts, like that to me just like epitomized like wrestling and wrestling fans you know what i mean like stereotypical yeah. wrestling fans like you know what i mean like i'm not saying that like dad was mick foley but you know like that's he was just you, you could relate to him and you and and when i saw mick foley coming out looking like this i was like well i could picture dad taking us to a wrestling event in sweatpants and a flannel shirt yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah there's not a huge leap between mick foley and, and and you know our dad or most people's dads as far as you know their uh, their physical appearance that is that's for sure. No, absolutely not. As we see, uh, Foley is basically here. He's making the match for later in the evening, uh, as he's going to force Kurt Angle to defend the World Wrestling Federation Championship for the first time in a triple threat match against both The Rock, who Angle defeated the night before at the pay per view, and Stephanie McMahon's husband, his her on screen husband. Triple H, um, but before Foley, uh, I think Foley's kind of softening the blow here with the hug before he delivers the bad news to Kurt Angle that he's um. Yeah, he had a very he had good comedic timing like that because in his promo he was you know like you know you don't get enough love you deserve more love you know let me give you a hug you deserve it you know no one hugged you you know after you won your championship you deserve a hug and he 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 hammed it up and. Really, uh, like you said, soften the blow it is because, you know, he was certainly not delivering uh, the best of news to uh, to the to the new champ. You know what I remember about this too? This was like the first show that like I remember like I I'd been to you know Monday Night Raws and pay per views where there was pyrotechnics, but like balloons and confetti coming down from the ceiling, like I you know that's not every week on wrestling but i remember like during the commercial break like the the, the stagehands and the production guys would take like leaf blowers yeah. and they would blow the they, they blew all the, the 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 confetti and the balloons and they were popping balloons and uh speaking of big pops the crowd popping for foley's announcement that you know kurt angle is going to be defending the title uh against both triple h and the rock yeah, that's a uh, Hall of Fame lineup that headlines anywhere in the country, anytime, any place in the um, world. Yeah, in the world, for that's for sure. Yeah, that was definitely a fun. That was definitely a fun treat. You know, yeah, for us that night, especially be, you know being your two, you know Zach and Justin, your first 
uh, wrestling event that you had uh, ever attended and, uh, on television, no less, which is pretty cool. I can't say that. Like, I've, I saw a lot of shows live before. Um, China, the ninth wonder of the world, looking for Eddie Guerrero, who she had recently uh, broken up with. But look who she finds instead. The hose. The godfather's hose. That's right. China's not thrilled that she found out that the hoes were sleeping with Eddie Guerrero in the shower, her fiancé. And uh, the hoes look petrified, as they should be. Because, I mean, come on, it's China we're talking about here. Um, I'm not really that mistaken. Is one of the hoes definitely uh, uh, Victoria? You are correct. That is former World Wrestling Federation Women's Champion Victoria. Um, I don't know who the other hoe is. But China here uh, ensuring the, these ladies that they have nothing to worry about. And uh, for those of you watching, obviously you're listening to our commentary and not the commentary on WWE Network. But um, as this door opens, we see now China kind of took care of some business. And the hoes look like they're dead. Look at this. Her legs are up in the air. Look yeah. at that. Well, that's nothing new. (laughs) Up next, we have Too Cool, Scotty Too Hottie, and Grandmaster Sexay. Zach, do you know that Grandmaster Sexay on the right over here uh, with the yellow hat recently passed away? Yeah, isn't he the one? Isn't he the son of um, Jerry Jerry Lawler? Yeah, I I remember seeing that on uh, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. The story going out is that you know he was incarcerated in in, in jail uh, for a, um, a drunk driving charge, and uh, they say that it's an apparent suicide. But um, unfortunately, um, you know Jerry Lawler and his family they feel different, and they're looking into uh, the matter further. Um, yeah, the article that I read, uh, I guess he had been kind of going down a. Uh, a dark path. Yeah, had some run-ins with the law and was, you know, some um, some drug stuff. Yeah, he was uh, he was definitely you know living by the day, uh, burning the candle on both ends. Unfortunately, as we see uh, their opponents making their way out here, judging by the pyrotechnics and the smoke, we have Taz and Raven from ECW. You know them, and of course. Uh, it was like, uh, I mean, I would say 2000, I mean, that year to me was probably one of the best years that WWF has ever had because they had a whole bunch of superstars coming in from like WCW and ECW, of course, because I remember, you know, watching, you know, ECW and the last time I saw Raven on TV when he was wrestling, of course, just incredible. And, um, and then I think uh, Raven made his return when Taz was involved in an angle with Jerry Lawler and I think Jim Ross, if I'm correct. And, um, and it was always, to me, it was, like, really cool to see, you know, guys, you know, from, like, from different companies, like, coming into WWF because, you know, WWF is, like, the biggest, you know, sports entertainment pro wrestling event in the United States. In the world. I mean, yeah. This was, uh, it was, it was definitely a different time. Uh, it was fun to see guys coming from different organizations. I always dug the Raven character, um, and I thought that Raven... Uh, there was a lot of potential there, but for whatever reason, it just he didn't really amount to much in this run in the World Wrestling Federation. 
Uh, same thing with Taz, too. I was very disappointed. Um, and I felt like this was just kind of thrown together with these two tagging up just because of their association with ECW. I thought it was kind of silly. Um, but, yeah, that's just me. Taz has a, a podcast, right? Yeah, he does. I've, I've heard him on uh, on some other radio stations. He's done. He, he does radio CBS for radio, uh, right? CBS Radio. I think yeah. he does like a sports show with one guy, and then he's got his own. Carton. I've seen him on the fan. I've heard him on the fan before. And I think he's, Yeah, he's had guest spots on the fan. Well, he is yeah. a New York guy. He's, he takes yeah. spot anybody on that show, I guess. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> but the, what's his name? Uh, uh, Raven. Oh, I always thought that he was someone kind of like Sting. Kind of like dark the, character, yeah. Kind of like quiet and like didn't you know? It just that vibe. I always kind of reminded me of uh, Sting, I, you know. And and I know that he had did some stuff with uh, face paint too. I I recall he had didn't he do he it? He dabbled in it a little bit, bit. Yeah. yeah. Just it got that vibe for sure. Yeah, the dark character. He ref, he definitely you know at this time a lot of characters during this era were very dark, um, which I guess kind of represented what. Um, not what society was, but the youth of our society at the time, very rebellious and, 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 oh, I guess like in a very cutting edge kind of nature, like this is what like our, uh, like youth was, you know, everyone wanted to, everyone growing up, at least as far as I'm concerned that were wrestling fans all wanted to go tell their teachers to go fuck off because Steve Austin gave Vince McMahon the bird every week, you know what I mean? And every other character in wrestling seemed to be very rebellious at this time um and there weren't really any clean-cut good guys and bad guys uh because we were living in a in a world with you know shades of gray um but I feel like in the attitude era you know and, I, and i'm and i'm keen on making like the comparisons like the attitude in the attitude era like the wwf was like gotham city you know what i mean like just if you watch, you know, or read any of the Batman m- movies and, you know, comics and all that, Gotham City was not a nice place to live. You know, who moves their family to Gotham with the crime and the seedy characters and just the evil that was around every corner? You know, they, it, it needed a hero. And in the Attitude Era, the WWF needed a hero, and that's who Steve Austin was. And he was, you know, Batman's probably the, the quintessential anti-hero. And I can be your hero, baby. And Steve Austin, I think, filled that role come to life. Uh, you know, you could you could buy a ticket to go see Steve Austin save the WWF every week, um, and that grew off of him to guys like The Rock. So and Stone Cold was Batman. Oh hell yeah! No, but you know what though? Like if you think about if you think The about Rock that, was Bruce Wayne. If you think about that though, like the the uh, you know the attitude and the dark you know characters like you were saying before, they made it at least I think that they made it seem like for a fan that. It was okay for your hero or your, you know, the guy to save the day wasn't necessarily a nice guy, or he wasn't the clean. That's a good point. Hulk Hogan. It was like, yeah, it wasn't Hulk Hogan. You know, drink your milk. It was uh, I'm gonna beat the crap out of you, give you the finger, and have a couple beers, and I'm the good guy. Hell yeah. Yeah. And that like mindset was, you know, like that was like a shift, and you had who was that? uh, Kurt Angle out there earlier who was the opposite, you know, was the clean cut, you know, you know, just simple and, you know, good boy attitude. And they're not, and they don't, well, you know what I mean? And they don't like that, you know. Wow, that's look not at the, the memory check on this guy. That's oh. not the good guy, you know what I mean? Like, that was like the, 
the direction that they wanted the you know that the viewers were going you know and it's i mean i guess you could say it's still sort of like that you know more gray and not black and white yeah. You know, I think it's just a more visual and more accurate depiction of society. And I don't want to, and I know you said it wasn't like that because of the darkness of it, but like you said, the shades of gray. Like yeah. these people, these characters were more real. You know, you could see Scotty Too Hottie walking down the street. You could see here we are, Edge and Christian kicking their feet up and being the class clowns in the back of home ec. You know what I mean? You could see, you know, you know, Raven in an alley somewhere. You know, you know, reading his scriptures or you know, pontificating. Um, these people were rep- These people represented, you know, stereotypes and and you know, here we go, Pete Gas. You know, Pete Gas. Yeah, real gas up right here. Mean Street Posse. Oh man, look at this. This but, is uh, interesting. These were people that you could you could. Oh, I know a Pete Gas. I know an Edge. I know well, a Christian. But you're a fan. You you're a fan of somebody, like you. I think that if you, in general, people, they like people e- even with their flaws, like the, all of these characters and all of these, these people, they have these, these noticeable flaws, but the fans embrace that. They embrace the, you know, the, the, all the characters and all their different, you know, their differences and well, that doesn't look very good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think <laughs> that's because we are all imperfect. We all have flaws. So instead of seeing a guy like Kurt Angle or even Hulk Hogan, who's damn near the greatest thing since sliced bread, come out and talk about how great they are and how great you can be, and while that's all inspiring, it's like, oh, ugh. But I'm, I'm not gonna look like you, Hulk Hogan. I realize that. I'm not gonna look gold medal, <laughs> Kurt Angle. Thanks a lot. Like these guys are more real. They, you accept them for their flaws, like you would ex- accept your your friends and your family for all the flaws that. Here's they your have. boy. Here's oh, your boy, Zach. That. Ass man. Billy Gunn, Mr. Ass with China. Yeah, and, you know, this was uh, probably the, the height of his run in the company for sure. But he was in the D- he was in DX, too. He was At one point, yeah. It was him and China, yep. Yeah. Yep. He, he'd been in a lot of tag teams. I mean, yeah. let's not forget the Smoking Guns. Yeah, I remember with, that. Yep. And uh, he God, was also in New Age Outlaws. And I think one of my favorite tag team parts that he was in was definitely Billy and Chuck. Billy and Chuck. Billy and Chuck. Look you know, at that. There's a, there's a soft spot for, for, for them, yeah. For sure. Oh, my God. This was pretty stupid. Yeah, like, just imagine, like, I always, when I see silly stuff like that happen, like, they had to talk about that before they went out there. Like, hey, what if I did this thing where, like, I grabbed you by the waist and, like, <laughs> danced with you and, like, looked at you really silly. Like, like that must make work so much fun. Val that's, Venus? That's the coolest part about, I think, that job. You don't see, uh... Um... I mean, I haven't been watching, but uh, all the pyro and fireworks and stuff, um, that definitely is something that, um, you know, I, I remember uh, a fair amount of the fireworks. and uh, You don't have a lot of that now, uh, so like on a weekly basis. It's more or less like on the big shows like WrestleMania, yeah. things like that. And uh, Eddie Guerrero forgot the memo that you don't wear white after Labor Day, but you certainly wear the Intercontinental Championship as... Uh, like I said, he had an issue with China, sleeping with the hoes. Speaking of wearing white Labor Day. Oh, yeah, right to censor, too. Why didn't they even mention... Well, you know, they, didn't, they, 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 they marched to the beat of their own drum. That's, that's right. Sure. That is right. But, uh, yeah, this was kind of in the, in the heat of the Latino heat uh, character of Eddie Guerrero that just, you know, I don't even I don't even know what direction to take that, but, you know, before the lowrider, you know, yep. that, that, that's where Eddie Guerrero was just that, you know, Chicano, if you will. 
Orale. Yeah. Orale. Zach, now let me ask you. You liked Mr. Ass. As a young man, why did you like Mr. Ass? Uh, I just like, you know, I, I liked his... Um, his ass? No. But the <laughs> the... One of his wrestling moves, I don't know if it was his finisher, but he would do where he would jump up with his leg. And the Famouser. Kind of, yeah, and he would kind of take his leg, and it was like he was giving you a leg drop, but it was in like midair, you yep. know what I mean? And I really, I liked that, and I don't know why, I just, I kind of kept it. And I always liked following the guys that weren't necessarily like the center of attention. Like, you know, everyone obviously liked The Rock and Stone Cold or, you know, Hulk Hogan or something like that. And I always liked... You know, following those guys that were kind of, you know, not necessarily the center of attention. Because when I think of like you, you being a wrestling fan, like the, you know, Billy Gunn, Mister Ass comes to mind. But like, who else um, were you a fan of? Like you said, not someone that was the center of attention, but someone that just kind of stood out, but wasn't you know the focal point. Who else were you into at this time? Uh, at this time, that you could remember. I mean, I, overall, like there's certain. Like, there's certain things that I remember, like, matches that I was like, man, that was, I remember that. That was really, that was a great match. Like, uh, I know you guys might disagree from, like, the whole, like, technical wrestling standpoint. But I really liked the Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior title versus title match. Oh, that's a great match. I really loved that that match. match. As much Um, as Hogan losing, I loved that match. I really liked that match. Um what else do I? So that one was great. Um, another one that I remember a lot of was the, because I remember we, I remember when we were watching it when we lived in East Hartford, and um, I don't know if it was a, if you had taped it or if we were watching it live. I can't remember, but I remember the Royal Rumble, um, the nineteen ninety four Royal Rumble. Um, yep. And uh, the uh, it was a what was it a draw at the end right? Luger, Lex Luger and Brett and both Brett Hart and Brett was hurt right his leg was he was injured because Owen Hart around. his brother Owen Hart earlier in the night yeah. kicked his leg out of his leg yeah remember I, that folks I, I rem- kicked his leg out of his leg I remember him being injured and I remember that being a big deal and I because Justin was a really big Bret Hart fan and I remember uh, Justin wasn't too thrilled with the well the funny the thing is of that we, I taped it. But um, I had a couple of friends sleep over to watch it because it was held on a Saturday night. Yeah. And then we watched it the next day for my birthday party. Um, as we see here, it looks like the right to censor. Looking to get the upper hand on Mr. Ass. Badass Billy Gunn. Old White socks, as JR would say, or when it comes to Stephen Richards. Here's, here, here it is, the movie you were just yeah, talking there about. there it is right there. The famous sir. Yeah, I like you to get up really high when you do it. Like, really yeah, that was a little. That was kind of. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Billy Gunn mm. with the victory over Val Venus. Here we see China making her way into the ring. Is Eddie Guerrero not pleased with the victory for Billy Gunn? And why? Why would Eddie Guerrero care if Billy Gunn won the match or not? Like. Yeah, he wasn't involved in the match. Yeah. Well, no, all right, well, hold on a second. Oh, never mind. We'll talk about it another time. I don't know if you guys noticed, but that that foam that mist- foam Mister Ass was it a thing? foam ass? It looked like a foam ass. Was that a foam ass? Yeah. Do you I re- forgot that they sold those. They made everything yeah. and anything. Back oh, I know that, but yeah, I mean, so I didn't. That don't surprise holy me. Holy shit, yeah. a foam ass. Yeah. Well, then again, you know, we're in an era where you know. Joey Ryan uses his penis as a finishing maneuver on the oh, independent level, but I mean, 
as we see more of Triple H and Stephanie McMahon here going over the ramifications of the evening's main event for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Uh, definitely uh, some friction between the two. This match will involve, of course, Kurt Angle and The Rock for the World Wrestling Federation title later on on the program. Yeah, I um, you know, I keep going back to it, but like, geez, like, how stacked is that main event? Um, but yeah, here it's a lot of just like, you know, yeah, I'm here to support Kurt as a professional, but you're my husband, and that's who I support, you know, type deal. And Triple H being very concerned for her safety, and here's Edge coming out now after the attack on Christian. He is. Decided to take the, the hero's journey down to the ring and, and uh, go about it himself. And he's definitely got a more confident um, approach to it. He's got something up his sleeve there. Um, yeah, that was a Edge trademark, the Rated R Superstar, and before he was called that. But yeah, they show the show and Christian. He got he got uh, run down in the the locker room when Edge had stepped out for a minute. So his dad would say they Pearl Harbored him. <laughs> Dad likes to use that one a lot. Well, you know, history guy, yeah. That's uh yeah. that's certainly a good, you know, expression for, for such an event like that. Um certainly not a an accurate depiction of what took place. No, but, no, no, definitely um, not. But, you know, definitely a, a, a you know seventy something years has passed, I think it's a fair <laughs> expression to use. Yeah. Um but certainly. Yeah, Edge is on a mission here to get the tag team titles for his buddy. His brother, his working brother Christian, uh, and he's very excited about the the opportunity to uh, save the day and los conquistadores. Uh, Zach, and, Zach remembers them quite well, and Edge doesn't though. He's no. he's seeing a different different size conquistadores approaching the ring, and he uh, I think he's thinking he was gonna have an easy one with a, a cooperating tag team wearing his titles, but. Uh, He's now seeing that he may have run into some problems that he sh probably shouldn't have started. Um, so it, this is a little interesting attitude era type swerve that the audience is going to be in store for here. For those of you that don't remember, Edge and Christian uh, and the Hardys were in a heated rivalry and Edge and Christian lost the titles a month prior and were no longer allowed to get an opportunity at the championships as long as the Hardys were the champions. And um, in the storyline, it was believed that Edge and Christian were the ones that dressed up as Los Conquistadores to defeat the Hardys the night before at No Mercy. Um, which, of course, sets up this rematch here with Edge and Christian, or at least Edge, thinking that he has um, you know, two guys cooperating with him to, uh, to help him regain the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship as we see a... A quick uh, small package here. Edge is trying to set him straight. This isn't the plan. What are you guys doing? And Conquistador A, we'll call him, uh, is pleading. And I thought one was beating. Uno and Dos. Oh, Conquistador Uno and Dos. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I uh, could be makes, wrong. That, that's I mean, there were Vianos 3, 4, and 5, so, you know. So the uh, the double team <laughs> of against Edge here, um, and again Edge is in a world of hurt and he has no idea. And this would be the first Hardys esque move 
to somewhat reveal what we know to be the identity of the conquistadors sealed with a swanton bomb right there one kind of two three letting the audience know who exactly these conquistadors really are and your winners still world wrestling federation tag team champions los conquistadores yeah, and back, uno and dos back to the watering hole they go <laughs> or work whatever you know whatever they prefer and there you see christian late to the party kind of like myself nowadays and the unmasking the big reveal of, of what we all know to be the hardys matt and jeff you remember the hardys right zach oh yeah i remember yeah, yeah mark and john the hardys <laughs> i don't remember their first names it's matt and jeff <laughs> Mark and John. And here comes Mick Foley. He's like, dude, what is going on? He's about to uh, show us a little bit more of what actually took place to bring us to this very moment. Matt, or Mark. John. John. Or well, Jeff. Jeff. They are Los Conquistadores. And they're your new... World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions right here in Hartford, Connecticut. They're, they're, they're letting them know. Mick Foley's giving them the business. Again, kind of restating that stipulation you had mentioned, Dave, uh, about their uh, qualifications to contest for the tag titles in the future. Well, this was interesting, too, because this was also like the time period where, as Mick Foley played the on-screen authority figure, he had a lot of interaction with Edge and Christian during this time period. A lot of yeah. of, um, of the... Uh, um, a lot of Edge and Christian's... Uh, all those vignettes, all that backstage yeah. stuff. Um, great, great classic stuff. And sure. and if do you think though if 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 they didn't have that interaction with Foley, that that stuff like do you think like people would have given them a sh given them a shot on their own like with their you know with their comedic chops if they if they didn't do that stuff with Foley? Yeah, I think so. I think they were that they were talented enough. I just think you know Mick Foley kind of accentuated that and and kind of you know just. Gave them that little cherry on top mm -hmm. because they were just, they were, they had the talent before. It was just a natural progression of kind of, you know, exploring their range. And, yep. and here we're seeing now that uh, the jig is up for Edge and Christian, who, uh, who've been revealed to have tried to put this diabolical plan in motion as it's been thwarted by Los Hardys. <laughs> Mark and, and Mark and John. Yeah, Mark and John, right, Zach? Marco and Juan. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, they uh as Mick Foley would say here, they are so totally busted, dude. Now alright, look at this here. We're, this is two thousand. We live in two thousand eighteen. You guys are familiar with the the trend of, you know, the, the joggers pants, the whether they be jeans or Mick Foley is doing rocking the joggers before uh, there yeah. was even such thing as joggers. Tucking you see there with the, socks, yeah. the white socks, you know, the sweatpants tucked into the socks. Mick Foley nice. was rocking joggers before all you youngins. Could have been he, a nice revenue stream for him. Knew how to spell joggers, yeah. If he did them in flannel, or maybe, or, or, or maybe if he did joggers and he had like 
a little dude love logo on the side Eric, the cactus from the cactus jack logo yeah, yeah. Um, you know he, he's the kind of person that could that could you know sell meat to a vegetarian um <laughs> that's for sure and uh he's you know confirming that you know this decision is final and the hardys are still the world wrestling federation tag team champions no longer having to um disguise themselves as los conquistadores viva, viva los, los hardys look at that and the clothes come off they're free the girls are going wild i'll say this much though when they did stuff like that when they took the shirts off like the girls would go freaking crazy like oh speaking of kishi speaking of girls going crazy yeah michael cole with his button-up world wrestling federation signature back when you get highlights when highlights frosted tips guy they're they're called guy lights okay Oh, and just just ask uh, uh, the 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 hillbilly from uh, Florabama Shore. Uh, uh, Nikki watches that show. They're, they're guy lights. Okay, okay. As the World Wrestling Federation takes over New York and the stock exchange, you kind of mentioned that earlier, uh, alluding to uh, you know them becoming a publicly traded company, and a lot of fans would say it was the beginning of the end. <laughs> when yeah. it comes to the the, yeah, the, the the end's been going on for a long time. The content. Now, now, WWF New York, man. I just wish this thing was still a thing. Oh, I know. Oh, this would have been so cool. These guys, uh, you know, restaurant business, as we all know, is not a necessarily a profitable one. No. Um, not a great endeavor, but they, they had something I thought that was pretty neat. It was a shame when it kind of, the doors were closed. And uh, Did you hear the numbers, though, on a recent uh, Bruce Pritchard something to wrestle with podcast about? How much money they were losing just operating that thing? Oh yeah, that was. They said it was one of like most the one of the biggest you know busts. Well, no, the building itself. They, if I recall, the rent was ridiculous. It was one of the highest priced rents in New York City. Yeah, just really saying something, you know. So it, it, you know that real estate was prime real estate in the entire city. You know, the center of the universe, the world. But just even operating game. a restaurant in of itself yeah, too, like the again, co- yeah, it's not an endeavor that is kind to most people yeah you know you have to really be good at that craft and the wwf's business ain't restaurants that's for sure it's other stuff no but i mean they gave it a shot you know it is what it is you know one day they'll bring it back lesson learned like that somewhere yeah um you know at a universal studios or something like that it's just a wwf wwe themed restaurant you know all the memorabilia and talent signings and kind of those remote shoots of guys kind of just making appearances there you know it's definitely, you know, they, they, they got the, the coin for it if they're willing to, to make the approach again. I mean, hey, he's bringing back football. Yeah. You know, why not a... Why not, you know... Why not a restaurant? Yeah. So, you know... Denny's has got the... Denny's has got the Grand Slam breakfast and uh, WWE's next adventure into the service industry will have the Body Slam breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, who uh, knows for sure. Yeah, so you never know. It can be new again if it's done the, done the, the right way. Um, but yeah, we're getting into the main event here. Main event time. Triple H. This is probably, I would say, this is my favorite run of Triple H in the year 2000. He was just, he was just red hot. He couldn't, he was, he was untouchable. I mean, he was just. Yeah, this is his best work. It's hard to argue with. with, um, He's done a lot of great stuff following that, but I mean. In ring, I would say is his best work. Oh yeah, yeah, for I, sure. I would argue that maybe the stuff that he's done in recent years, um, the less is more approach he's taken. You yeah. Know, in recent years is, is 
puts his work currently up there with, I would say, probably this. I mean, he was knocking it out of the park in a way that was really, he was climbing charts around this time. Did The Rock just flick that balloon? No, he didn't. It would look that way. Oh, okay, because I thought, like, The Rock, like, swatted that balloon out of the way. The The most static electrifying man in sports entertainment. Um, yeah, this is, you know, all the, the typical shots here. Size does matter. I don't know if you guys saw that. I did, I did just see that. I was kind of um, curious what that was about. Yeah, well, that, you know, that was the, that was the charm of the attitude era. The signs didn't make sense. They were just hilarious. You see a little bit of that nowadays. The creativity just isn't what it used to be. For My sure. favorite sign most recently, and, you know, you see a lot of good ones, but, um, WrestleMania 26, uh, you, Justin and you and Daryl both went to it. In uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Glendale, Arizona, the the big stadium there, and there was a sign that said "Batista loves fish sticks," and it showed a big picture of Batista yeah. with his mouth wide open. I just thought that was so random. Yeah. <laughs> like Batista loved fish sticks. Like I mean, holy cow, were they Gordon's fisherman's fish sticks? I mean, who knows? But uh, that night they were John Cena's fish sticks. Ooh, hey now. <laughs> Main event time, Kurt Angle making his way out to the ring to defend the World Wrestling Federation Championship against The Rock and Triple H, or at least we think he's coming out. Has he got cold feet? Oh, yeah. I remember watching this the other day. They like, what, what are they like, what, what are they doing here? And making the people wait. Yeah. You know, the champion, there's a grand entrance. And, yeah, Stephanie's just like, easy boy. Yeah, you're the champ. Yeah. You make them wait. Exactly. That's what she just said. Look at that. Great minds think alike. World Wrestling Federation champion. We're going to go to commercial, and then we're back, and Rock and Triple H facing off, reliving a, an old rivalry, if you will. I wonder what he's telling them there right now. I wonder what he just said to him. They're, just, they're, they're making dinner plans for later. Asking him if he has any gum, maybe. Yeah. See it, Russian lady. <laughs> That's right. Could have been Club Blue, yeah. Why was your rental car bigger than mine? Yeah. Kurt was like, guys, I'm the champ. Yeah, pay attention to me, dude. Hello, I'm over here. Confetti stuff st- like this was just cool. He do- he doesn't look as big as I rem- I remember him being. At least maybe recent times I've seen him on TV. Um, he definitely looks a little bit bigger. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure since 2000, you've also doubled in size too. Uh, so. I'm talking about like muscular, like like his shoulders <laughs> are a lot Kurt. bigger now. Yeah. I mean, you, like, you just saw Kurt, you know, and as Triple H and Rock are like staring face to face, and Kurt's like, "Hey, I'm the new WWF champion. You should, you guys should just pay attention to me." And all of a sudden, they just both just whacked him and started doing the job on him, as you can see now. Here we see. Giving the people what they want. Yep. Definitely, uh... Oh, yeah, there we go. Clothesline by Kurt Angle to Triple H. Did you see that sign? I've got wood in the background. Yep. Exactly. It's yeah, exactly. It's that's... true, it's true. I see that right there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's just great stuff. Just, uh, just, oh my God. It was like this just constant competition every week. Talk yep. about a Monday Night War. It's all about who could put the best signs out there. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, the, the, the people that, you know, nowadays, like, 
with the drinking games, like, you know, when it comes to, like, watching something on television, whether it's wrestling or sports or whatever that people do on social media. Imagine if there was those, you know, imagine if there was social media and drinking games during this era of trying to find the most lewd signs, you know, on Monday Night Raw. I mean, you know how many people would be so drunk? Like, holy cow. Like, find find how many signs that say suck it. Or, yeah. you know, find how many signs that, you know, have the F word in it. Because they let that stuff fly, too. You know, yeah. you heard a lot they, of that. They kind of filter some of it out, but... You know, stuff that is more prone to make the you know make air but yeah it's uh it's definitely a, a different time for sure absolutely the, the the cameramen the the guys outside of the ring not the you know video cameras but the guys snapping pictures um is that for like the wwf magazines and stuff like that Remember when yeah. they to put those out? Do they still put those out? They don't. They don't have the magazine anymore? Just because of like social media and everything now. They yeah. Don't just the way our society is. Not just many not people a, read just, magazines to begin with. Just not a, just not a profitable endeavor. And even if it was, just the, the, you know, the, the, the effort to put into that is just... There's like in, in I, wrestling. Remember, I remember going to the supermarket with mom and dad. And yeah. we'd go over to the magazine section and look at the wrestling magazines and... Somebody would end up. That was the only thing we looked forward to when we went to the supermarket. Oh, yeah. Was the magazine section. I don't want to fucking walk around mom and dad while they go get groceries. How many times did we, you know? Yeah, we're all just sitting there, Indian style, just piling ourselves up with magazines, just passing them around. Yeah. And, and you know. And we didn't buy one of them. Not one of them did we buy. But we would re- we would read them all, and then we would yeah, talk about it in the car or whatever. Hey, remember when we saw the magazine and this one said this? And well, remember the time? I mean, like you read them all and then left. Well, just remember the time when uh, when uh, we were young. I mean, mom and dad, you know, just like made us, you know, get WCW magazines in the mail until WCW was bought by WWE. And then, of course, because I had the WWF uh, subscription. And then I think like one of you had the WCW magazine subscription. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And like I said, when uh, Vince bought WCW and owned everything, the magazines of WCW just went out. And then, of course, I received a mail letter from the WWF, I think it was, and they said that you would be, if you would be interested, you know, we would like for you to, to you know, send WWF magazines in the mail once a month. And yeah, they transferred the subscription from WCW magazine to the the WWF magazine. As Triple H just transferred Kurt Angle over the announce table, um, a lot of action over at the announce table. It's funny seeing the tables, uh, the how different they. Were even in uh, what is this the year two thousand? Yeah, I remember when I was a little kid how they were just folding tables with cloths on them and how messy the tables would get and when they you know go through the tables and these ones look like you put them back together and it's you know uh, yeah I don't know what I, I don't know how those are made like I mean they have them now too I, I'm I think yeah I think it's just that uh, they probably you know work with a third party who you know model make that model and it's just that's who they buy them from and you know they're but they they put them back together yeah. Yeah. but i'm sure they don't use i'm sure they run through some you know oh of course yeah i'm sure that's some yeah exactly they just probably were like you know we need better tables here and i'm sure there's there's an entertainment or production company out there that uh that specializes in that uh in that type of work well also from a safety perspective too because like zach said there was the folding tables with the cloths over them but those folding tables those legs and the and the um the 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 different parts of the the the, the metal that connect to the wood at times could you know stick out and, oh, yeah. and and point and get hurt whereas these tables you know here and what they've used from this point forward um, up until today you know they collapse and 
I'm sure, yeah, you feel some pain, you get hurt, but you're not worried about a table leg going in your eye. You know, like you would have in 1996, 1997, when they didn't have these collapsible, you know, almost Lego style, put the table back together. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, plus like in those tables, like those like traditional tables, like, yeah, it was like, um, you know, you had your, 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 your cube monitors, your, your, your table fans, all your paperwork. It was, it was, you know, in very traditional sense, you know, a, you know, a broadcast table, you know what I mean? It was, you know, all types of clutter on it. Here it's a little more like they, they just kind of clear the table off, they kind of swipe everything off and just lift off that top panel and then they, they go to they go to town on it and it's, you know, relatively risk-free for sure. I'll say this right now, and you know, we, we as a wrestling fan, we you know, Justin, you know, and Daryl, you know, we nitpick, but, you know, this scene here with the EMTs as they're hauling Triple H out of here, that is totally not what an EMT would do. Um, the way that they, you know, transported him onto the, you know, yeah. onto the stretcher, oh, yeah, like, you know, and, and, you know, from, you know, my wife, you know, your, your sister-in-law, Nikki, she's, you know, she's an EMT. Every time we watch Raw or something like that happens, like, she's like, they're doing it wrong. Like, they don't even have, like, there's no neck guard. There's no straps. And here's something I also thought of, too. You know, he's, um... You know, they have referees and, and other WWF officials helping with that. How many times in professional sports do you see a guy get injured and they get doctors and trainers out in the field? Do you see the referees getting involved trying to help those guys? Oh, uh, hey, maybe they're certified. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean. I Tim think, White, yeah. certified in CPR. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, you talk about, you know, Nikki's um, experience in that, like, Zach and I, you know, working with, you know, kids and, you know, football and coaching yeah. you know we had to go through that yearly stuff of you know how to how to stabilize you know someone who's down with an you know and you just always have to assume it's a neck injury or a head injury yeah. and, you know how you hold them and you know how to roll them onto a board and all that stuff so yeah it was i, I i'm you know i definitely am on the same boat as nikki when i see that stuff i'm like Ugh. and didn't wasn't triple h just a minute ago worried about his knee or something or was it he feels better now it's yeah like he better. feels really good had some stacker two probably yeah. or yeah. stacker beef, two. Right? They still do. They had chunky beef. Oh, that's probably time. waiting for him in the back after was the match. It? No, was it? It wasn't chunky. Chef, it was Chef Boyardee. It was yeah, Chef Boyardee. Chef Boyardee. Chef Boyardee. Y.J. Stinger, that energy drink, feel the sting. Yep, that that's right. Wow, we're going through old commercials we used to see in wrestling. That's how retro this show is. Yeah. Holy cow! <laughs> There's a tennis ball in the ring. You see? <laughs> you just see that? Yeah, Someone threw a tennis ball in the ring. Yeah, he didn't even know it, I don't think. Rock bottom yeah. by the rock to New Kurt WWF Angle. Champion. One, one, two. two. Oh, oh, come on, Earl. That was like the slowest count I ever yeah. seen. You're better than that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Earl definitely. Uh, but just a lot of action here that, again, you know, the fans are on the edge of their seats here. And I, and I definitely recall a lot of this match having just, just that anticipation Especially we all kept looking over. Is he coming? Is Stone oh, Cold coming? Yeah, like was, it was, you know, I, as, as good as the match was, we were, we were, you know, trying even to. At eleven years old, I knew. Oh, oh, Stone Cold's in jail. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. We'll be seeing him by the end of the night. Yeah. You know, um, definitely. So. Because I feel like I would have been extremely disappointed had um, had uh, Stone Cold not made an appearance on this program. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. As we see, Kurt Angle. Waffle and Triple H with the championship so, belt. So, was the ref not watching him hit him with the belt? No, in triple threat matches, no um, there's no disqualification oh, okay. because there's Unless more. They want there to be. Yeah. Okay. And oh. 
There's Rakishi. Because we haven't seen enough of him tonight on this show. As he's going to mix it up with Kurt Angle defending his cousin, The Rock, or his nephew, or whatever. Their, their family of some kind. But this right here well, is... Unsolicited uh, by The Rock, remember. What's that? Unsolicited by The Rock. The Rock wants no part of this guy right now. And uh, we are approaching zero hour of what's about to take place. And the glass here. breaks, and, yeah, and classic Stone Cold Steve Austin. Looking to mix it up with Rikishi. I just remember how loud it was, like watching this yeah. and how excited all of us were that he, you know, had come out and yeah. that's really the only reason why you're there. Yeah. Well, the he, guy, well, you know what I mean. Like that yeah. was the build up. There's nothing like a Stone Cold Steve Austin pop, even to this day. Yeah, for sure. And that, you know, I remember watching the Monday Night Raw from Brooklyn, Raw 25, and when he showed up. Oh, that was thunderous! Minutes, I was I I was sitting at home and you know with Laura and I jumped out of the couch like. Like yeah. A kid again, like I was 11 years old again. Yeah. That was just too cool. I remember my my first trip at the Mohegan Sun. I remember you took me, and it was on Monday Night Raw. And of course, uh, when Stone Cold was the uh, the co general manager, and he came out to the ring, and everybody in the Mohegan Sun was standing on their feet, including us. And I'm telling you, it's like he had. It's like Stone Cold had the better crowd reaction with the fans getting up, almost similar to Hulk Hogan. So yeah. Do a beer bash. Well, here all right, I'm I'm glad you kind of brought that up, uh, there, Zach, because uh, it's kind of his thing. The 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 beer bash, oh, we go. got to witness and experience this as you know after Raw went off the air, as we see the uh, the, yeah, the, the kept closing, going the closing credits. They kept going, yeah. Um, and uh, we you know Triple H, Rock, and Stone Cold were all just you know hanging out drinking beers, and it was probably like one of the the coolest after show moments to be a part of because it was three of the biggest names in wrestling or in the WWF at that time. And they were all in the ring at the same time. The one thing I remember like most about it, like we didn't, nobody left that arena. Nobody did, you know? And, um, I just remember the one line I remember from that was stone cold said something about, or they tried to get triple H to come back cause he was going to leave. And he had already had a few beers. And they just kind of like signaled like, hey, like, you know, are you going to come back or not? And Hunter grabbed the mic and he says, hit me, I'm dry. And they threw him another beer and it was like this like never-ending beer bash with the three of them. That was like – because back then during the Attitude Era, after the show was known for like, you know, stuff you didn't see, you know, on you know on TV. Anyways, the real treat. Yeah, but like that was like, you know, that was the, the second main event. You know what I mean? The, the stuff that you didn't get to see on TV. And uh, that was probably, like, the coolest thing to be a part of is that, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and Triple H in their prime, you know, all, you know, sharing a beer and toasting. This was a lot of fun, guys. Um, going back down memory lane and, uh, you know, reminiscing on the very first wrestling event that the four of us all attended together um, from our hometown of Hartford, Connecticut, Monday Night Raw, October the 23rd, 2000. Uh, let me get some closing thoughts from all of you guys before we wrap things up here. Daryl, what was your thoughts overall on this show? Give me one thing. Give me one thing that you enjoyed about this show the most. The one thing I really enjoyed about the show was, you know, you know the excitement of the fans, and especially you know with with uh, all the surprises. I mean, like with the Hardys, you know, disguising themselves as the Los Keys Condors and all that, and uh, especially you know the main event. You know, 
in the ending of the main event, you know, when Stone Cold came out and, you know, of course, attacking Rikishi and drinking the beers and all that and the fans going crazy. I mean, that's what I really enjoyed so much. Zach, uh, how, how's your how's your brain doing? Because at the beginning of this show, we talked about how, you know, you might have a hard time remembering this stuff. And you, you seem to hold your own at times, but then there were other times where, you know, you didn't have a fucking clue who was out yeah, there. I mean, you know, I think for me, when it comes to professional wrestling, like, there's a lot of things from a lot of different times that I I remember, like I was telling you guys before, or, or when you asked me about Billy Gunn, why did I like Billy Gunn? And mm-hmm. just kind of the, I mean, for me, um, watching um, watching this, um, and I don't, I still, there's still things that happen in this that I don't really remember, but yep. remembering, you know, recognizing guys who were, you know, were different, um, they were in a different role, or, um, you know, seeing the uh, the advertising, um, and just kind of uh, seeing the crowds, and just that nostalgia with some of the, those other little things that uh, I noticed, uh, I, and to be honest with you, watching this, um, especially sitting here with you guys, because... Almost 100% of my watching of wrestling um, was always with one of you guys, um, whether we were watching an old video or or, or playing a video game or, or watching a wrestling movie or whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, was always with somebody in, in this room. So um, for me, it definitely um, made, me, made me feel a little bit more like a little kid, um, which isn't a bad thing. And... Um, you know, it's a good thing that there's uh, the WWE Network. So if I want to go back and relive something that I really enjoyed, you know, a match or something, I can always just pop it in and have a little bit of a a moment or just relive that. Whose account are you stealing it from? Because now you don't have definitely your own. Justin's. <laughs> um, you're, in a, you're in a house of Daryl. You can just take his. Yeah. So if I well, if I have well, the, paying for it anyway, so or, I guess you are taking it from me. Or you know, Daryl has a lot a library of DVDs, so definitely. Um, brought back some memories of just you know the reasons why I did enjoy it when I was younger. Um, Very cool. Well, you're more than welcome to uh, come back anytime and uh, reminisce in this watch along fashion. I'd like to thank all of you. Uh, it's very difficult to get all four of us together with our schedules as we have uh, grown up and gotten older and done adult things. But uh, this is very cool, and I you know starting this podcast recently i wanted to get all four of us together to do this and uh you know maybe we can do something like this again in the very near future yeah sounds great uh, yeah it's a lot of fun oh yeah oh yeah definitely i would love to come back again and do the show again it's it would be great cool very cool all right everyone uh tune in next week as uh we're gonna be covering Halloween Havoc, a WCW staple on Halloween. Which Halloween Havoc are we going to cover? Well, you're just going to have to tune in next week over at SoundCloud.com for more information. It's time to put this show down for the three count. I will see you all next week.